0: Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Uh, 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 uh. Hey, how's it going, guys? Take a big inhale, take a deep breath. (sighs) Really, I needed that for me. Uh, I've been going, like Michelle's out of town, and um, I woke up at 4 o'clock this morning for whatever reason. And I laid there for another hour. For another hour, then I just decided to get up and get my day going. So that's where I am. I hope that you are able to sleep through the night. Today we're going to talk about fear, rage, <laughs> dreams and visions, and then we might get to uh, uh, why I need to be hugged by a WNBA player. We might. We might get to that. But I want to start off with, uh, a few days ago, I was at an event, and at the end, I was talking to someone, and we were talking maybe about 15 minutes. It was somebody who uh, j- had just introduced themselves, and uh, I was really enjoying the conversation. And then s- another person came up and wanted to talk to that person, and kind of, in a way where It was signaling, I want to talk to this person, Uh, step aside, you've had enough time to talk to this person. And I immediately picked that up, and I could see that the person I was talking to was was willing to have this conversation with the other person. But I immediately felt rage and anger in my body. Because I felt dismissed. I felt discarded. I felt um, like, oh, the adults are talking now. You know, we don't, like, I I just, I felt like a nine year old who was told I I couldn't sit at the, like, I have to go back and sit at the table with other kids at Thanksgiving, that kind of thing. And, but also hurt and bothered. And I mean, it, I just went from zero to a hundred and I wanted to scream and yell and cry and crumble all at the same time. And mind you, the, the person who came up to interject, um, explain to me, was like, Hey, I saw that you two have been talking for a while, but this, this event's about to shut down and I really want to, talk to her. Even though he prefaced it with that I be, because there was so much still that I wanted to talk to this person I was talking to about I, I was like oh. and, and, and so I also realized that I felt um, like I lost control or out of control meaning that I wanted to be the one to dictate when the conversation was over like I didn't like that his his being there his approach his interjection was the reason why our conversation had to end um and so I realized that there was also a control thing like I want to be in control of when things start and when things finish and I've recognized that even with my in my therapy sessions it's so ridiculous, because you know, I'll look at the clock and I know that we have fifty minute sessions. Sometimes we go an hour if i you know if I have a lot that I'm dealing with, and but but I'm looking at the clock, and then around forty seven, I'll say, "All right, you know, uh let's wrap it up, because I don't like the feeling of my therapist telling me. It's a it, you know, all right. Let's wrap this up. Any last words, kind of thing. I want to be. I want to dictate the beginning, middle, end. And so my, and that's an ego thing. So that's ego, and I, I'm well aware of that. And and uh, you know, when I think about the other emotions involved, uh, you know, I was also like. A bit of a no, not guilt or shame. No, yeah, I think I think those were the those were pretty much the emotions. And so I, I'm like walking to my car, and it, it's just building like the the ray. Like it's like I'm going from Bruce Banner to the Hulk, all inside. But if you if you saw me outside, or if you were walking past me, you wouldn't. You know, there I wasn't doing anything overtly hulkish but inside and you may have felt it you may have sensed it you may have even smelled it you know how you you give off a different sense and odors and smells based on your emotions um, they, they I'm reading this book now about senses and it talks about how people with schizophrenia have a different scent than people who don't and you know we even you know you often hear people talk about the smell of fear or, 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 um, or you can even smell danger. Or just like the same way you can smell uh, rain before it rains. You can just tell that, that something is, is different. Um, so I'm walking to my car, and and I'm, I'm clearly aware of how I'm feeling and how I'm processing this. Or really not processing this. Like I, I'm actually, it's kind of scaring me that I can't talk myself down because I'm like Leo. He he, uh, it, he introduced himself. He gave a reason for why he was interjecting. It's not like he just stiff armed me out the way. It's like why can't I let this go? Why is this enraging me so much? And the more I try to intellectualize it, the more and the more I try to understand it. The bigger it got, right? where like I was like, "I want to smash the world, the the universe." like it, it was it all felt so small to me. And then I remembered uh, I read in the uh, New York Times years ago, and I don't yeah, I just discontinued it. Maybe I should re-up it because it it does occasionally give me something to chew on. But uh, there was a guy who ended his life, and w- one of the comments said that maybe he spent too much time examining life instead of experiencing life. And I cut that out, and I put that in one of my journals. So I have this journal, which is, which is a lot of quotes, ideas, uh, and cutouts from newspaper clippings. And I put it in there because it always stuck with me. And then when I was in that, when I was in my car, dealing with these emotions, I go, "Okay, I'm trying to examine my emotions. I'm trying to understand why, instead of experiencing my emotions, instead of experiencing the hurt, the rage, the anger, the, uh, the." the I also felt a bit inadequate if I, if I was being fully honest because of the person I was talking to was sharing all of their accomplishments, not only what they had done, but what they're working on and, and they're going to do. And I, I was I was already feeling a bit small and contracted before the person even walked up. So I think that that was kind of like the icing on the cake. Like I was already feeling diminished and then stiff-armed. It was like, like it took him nothing. like, Like he just, like I was a leaf and just was blown away, right? And I go, oh, okay. These are emotions. Let's just sit with them and see what happens. And, and let's take ownership for our emotions. Instead of, he did this, they did that, why this, why that? Let's reframe it and say, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling enraged. I'm feeling... Inadequate, And even as I'm sharing this with you and slowing down, calming down, I'm clicking down. It's the same experience I had in the car. It slowed me down. It calmed me down in retrospect, what could have helped is if I literally got on the ground or got barefoot to ground me, to bring the cortisol levels down. And then the next thing that I did, after I took ownership for how I was feeling, instead of staying in the the blame and the externalizing of the emotions. I wrote it in my uh, in my cell phone. I wrote a note to talk. I wrote it in my cell phone as a note so I can talk to my therapist about it later. And then that helped me to click down a few more notches. So here I am. I was at a 10. And then once I started taking ownership for how I felt and my feelings, it brought me down to like a 7. And then I wrote the emotions down and all the, the feelings and the ideas and the thoughts and the circumstances and that brought me down to like a five or four. And then I, I drove home. I wanted to stop and get some food, some sugar. That's my drug of choice. Some people get alcohol. Some people get other things. Leo Flowers, I, I'll go get donuts or ice cream or cake. Uh but recently for me it's you know I've, I haven't had that stuff in a while but I, st- I I'll still go get like apples or pistachios which are healthier but for me sugar is sugar in my body and it, I have an allergic reaction to it it's it's it changes my mood it it disrupts my sleep Causes inflammation. Like, I, I just don't do well on uh, sugar or carbs. Like, it has to be very minimal. And I said, Leo, let's just drive home and see what happens. So I get home and I journal a little bit. Then I pick up a book and I read. And now the reading's got me down to about a two. And I sit on the couch. uh, And then Michelle comes in and she gives me a hug. And, and, you know, that that brings me down to a one, zero. And I'm sharing this with you because... We can spend so much time, and and I've talked about this before, trying to examine life, trying to examine what happened, examine our feelings. And once we own up to the experience of it and just say, you know, that was an experience, and also say, what am I experiencing now? Okay, that happened right now. What am I experiencing right now? Because when we're heightened, when we're emotional, when we're upset, whether we are uh, upset or exhilarated, it it doesn't matter. Um, We need to take a moment. We, We can't think at that moment. We're not really in our prefrontal cortex. So that's the moment to say, what am I feeling right now? Instead of trying to figure out what just happened. We can do that later. We can always go back later. But now is not the time. Right now, how's my breathing? Where do I feel tension in the body? Where do I feel relaxed in my body? Because, you know, when I get upset, I can feel it in my chest or my stomach or shoulders or know, my hands, but I'll notice that other parts of my body are are very relaxed. Sometimes I feel it in my entire body, but more, more often than not, it's specific body parts. You know, some people feel it in their throat or their head or the back of their head or their jaw. And you feel like your are breathing getting, becoming more shallow. But as we start to click down and the, the breath, then the breath becomes a little deeper. We feel more connected, a little looser. Our vision starts to zoom out. All of a sudden, sound can come in. And we become more aware of how we're feeling, where we are, and the space around us. And I, I bring this up because there will be times, and I'm sure there have been times for you, where something just was seemingly so small, insignificant, blew you up, and we just and we can just kind of dismiss those as like not a big deal. Uh, or you know a lot of times we we handle it with you know food drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever but we have to take that we have to reflect back on those moments and figure out how to handle those emotions because it won't be the last time that something just boom it's almost like an IED like a, you know for any of my military vets out there, where you're just kind of driving along, right? You're singing a song. Maybe you're drinking a Pepsi. You're telling, you're telling a dirty joke to your boys in the, in the Humvee. And then, boom, you hit a... And, it, and, and and those IEDs can be, you know, someone not calling you back or someone giving you a sideways glance Or somebody cutting you off, or you know you're getting into an argument with your significant other, or even something you watch or hear in the news, like IEDs can be anywhere. And so, if we don't know how to handle our emotions in those moments, you know something your coworker says something your mom said, a text you get, a text you don't get. All these things are, can be IEDs, a song that you hear. And so we have to know how to own our emotional experience and then write it down. And be like, who, who do I trust enough to talk about this with later? It doesn't have to be right now. You know, I, I put it in my schedule. I was like, Thursday, I'm going to talk about this with my therapist. And I did. And then later on, I talked to my girlfriend about it. I talked to her about it maybe four or five days after but I was in a, in a neutral space. So my point is is that when we're going through things, we don't always have to talk to somebody at the, at the time that we're going through it. Sometimes we have to go through our own process first. And, and I, I find for me, in most cases, not in all, it's, it's, it's more conducive for me. I feel, more, I feel safer if I can ground myself in my body, and my breathing, take ownership, and then when I get back to neutral, be able to share and discuss with someone else. If I talk to somebody while I'm already hyped and they don't really know how to support me or hold the space for me, that could actually put gas on the fire and and turn me up even more. So I'd, I'd rather figure out how for myself how to get grounded and feel supported. And then the the last part of it, you know, after a day or two later, I was like, let me replay it and ask myself, what did I want out of that situation? Because so when we're, when we feel emotionally uh, violated, attacked, when we get hit with that IED, right, that that, that explosion, I'm sorry for, uh, I forget what IED even stands for in the military, but it's basically uh, uh, an explosive device uh, imp- impacted explosive I don't know what the I stands for but explosive device, a bomb basically uh, that you know that's like dug into the ground. And so what I realized what I, my what my third step had to be was to replay it in a way where the outcome, had me feeling supported and safe and nurtured. And where I realized what I would have liked is one of two outcomes. One is for me to be like, wow, this is great talking to you. Uh, I'll be here next Thursday. I love to, you know, continue this conversation and step away because even before he approached, I wanted to leave. I, I, I was feeling like we were talking too long already. Um, And so I was like, no, I was, uh," you know, that kind of thing. So that was one. But two, what I also would have liked was for her to be like, hey, Leah, you know, I really want to continue this conversation. Uh, You know, uh, we'll see you next week or here's my email or something like that. Um, That would have made me feel uh, supported also. Now, as I'm talking to you about this, what I'm also realizing is she also may have been shocked or thrown off by the abrupt interjection, right? Or felt abrupt. By by him stepping in and, and initiating the conversation with her. And so in her head, she may have been warning that also. And unbeknownst to me, you know same way like i i wasn't showing my uh my anger and and upset about the whole thing she may not have felt comfortable showing you know how much she en- was enjoying the conversation and wanted to continue it you know because it's like i have a girlfriend and she's a woman and so you have that whole gender thing happening so th- the beauty of grounding ourselves and getting into our bodies and then reflecting and replaying it back later, is we get to then see the perspective of everyone involved. Because also as I replayed it, I remember him saying, hey, we've been waiting to talk to her. So he was being polite. You know, the fact that he had been, the fact that she and I had been talking for 15 minutes means that he had really been waiting for 15 minutes to talk to her And then because the place was closing down, was like, oh, man, I want to, you know, and so kind of felt compelled to get in there while he felt like he had a chance. And so as I zoom out and I explore everyone's perspective, now I can have more compassion for each and every single one of those uh, individuals because these are people who I'm going to run into and meet again. And now I'm not going in there with that, uh, emotional charge and 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 hoping that they're going to make my emotions and feelings better. They're not going to make me feel better. It's not up to anyone to make us feel better. And I don't even like that word, feeling better. It's really about getting back to neutral and feeling grounded and feeling connected. Um, and <laughs> You know, because our emotions, man, it, they are a beast. And uh, I, I want to talk about, I'm reading this book called Fear, uh, a cultural history by Joanna Burke. And it, it, it just, I, I, the way emotions can affect us is fascinating and can be debilitating. She says in her book, Fear, right? She's talking, to, and in this book, Fears, uh, she's talking about like the the history of fear and in, in different ways, uh, the di- different things that people have feared and different cultural fears and uh, things that we fear that we probably shouldn't and, and et cetera, et cetera. It's all about fear because I'm fascinated by the emotion. But anyway, she says... Military valor, religious zeal, the exalted tension of pride or duty or affection easily lead men of the soundest disposition to wholly disregard death and everything pertaining to it. At the same time, baser feelings such as jealousy, anger, disappointment, sorrow, sickness, distress of any sort, uh, disgrace, and a thousand others, that lead to suicide provide evidence of what contempt the act of death may be thrown by other may be thrown by other even trivial emotions so basically what she's saying is it's so interesting how we're, we're willing to you know go to our death for the country for our company for you know for valor for you know the virgins all, that, all those different crazy things, right? But at the same time, on the flip side, you know, emotions like jealousy, anger, disappointment, sorrow, disgrace, loss, a thousand others lead to suicide, right? So emotions or our inability to cope with, handle, face, discuss, those are the things that are... Le- leading us to the edge. So that's why I, I shared the story with you just now about my experience because we all have these tiny moments, these IEDs that feel so catastrophic and debilitating and and uh, life like like it like it's oh my god this is going to ruin my life. I'll never recover from this kind of thing. Those are emotions. Last night I was watching a a movie called, um, oh, my God, what is it? A story, uh, something about the long love story. Let me figure it out. It was about a woman in Poland. True story on Netflix. It was written in or produced in 2017. And there's a woman in, in Poland is trying to get this uh, book published about love and sex. And no one would publish it because they said it was too, uh, it was too racy. It was too, you know, that the church won't approve it. And for decades, this woman is, trying to get the book published in Poland and no one wants to touch it. I mean, to the point where she's living in poverty pretty much. I mean, she's a doctor. Oh, The Art of Loving, that's what it's called. The Art of Loving put out 2017 and uh, it was based on uh, a, a Polish gynecologist, a sexologist, right? At the end of the movie, she goes through. This woman goes through a divorce. She goes uh, through the love of her life, the second love of her life, uh, dying from a heart attack. Uh, her, she has, she gives birth to twins. She has to split them up. Like she she's you know she's Polish, so you know there's the whole uh, trying to evade uh, being thrown in a concentration camp. Like, just all these different, and then being a woman, this was like 1920s, 30s, something like that, uh, where the movie starts. So all these different obstacles and these challenges, and, and she lives to be like 84 or 85, and then they have an interview of her at the end of the movie. And she says, you know, these are all, she goes, all I am are my experiences, And without my experiences, she goes, my experiences are my story. Without my experiences, I have have no story. And that was a beautiful way to look at it because she could look at it as, you know, uh, there's so much about trauma, big T trauma, little T trauma, um, and, you know, all these different labels that we put on what's happened to us in the past. And not to take away from that. However, we can also add to that. We could expand on that and say, those were essentially experiences. And whether they're big T trauma or little T trauma is just based on how we perceive it or how we define it or label it. But without our experiences, we have no story to tell. If you you know there are days where um I sit on a couch and you know watch t v all day and I just feel yucky, I feel ill, but on days where like i'm I'm getting things done or running around or not even getting things done, but just kind of active, just being engaged with the day, you know maybe i'm maybe I am just walking through the mall or you know, going for a stroll here and there, or you know, cleaning up the backyard, but I'm but I'm doing something, and 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 in that activity, in those activities, I find that there, there's a st- those become experiences of my day. You know, even I'm just picking up leaves in my backyard. It's an experience. You know, uh, oh, I was picking up leaves, and my back was started bothering me, and and then the neighbor, uh, you know, offered me some avocados off his tree and uh saw a bird swoop down and you know grab a baby goat. Yeah you know, like <laughs> I mean <laughs> all those things can you know happen through through activity, through engaging in life. And so I don't know what your experiences have been, but they're part of your story. And it's empowering when we can find a way tell our story the same way I told you the story of you know my emotional experience of earlier and it doesn't have to be out loud it could be to your journal it could be in a a narrative form where maybe you write a quote-unquote fictional story but it's based off of your experiences I want to switch gears here a little bit and talk about dreams and visions and maybe hallucinations. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure, but um, I, I want to talk about this, and I've talked about this in a previous episode. Where I'm reading this book right now called Sweet Bitter. It's by Stephanie Danler. Sweet Bitter, and there's a, actually a TV show on Hulu based off the book, and it, it's two seasons, and unfortunately. I'm going to tell you now, like, I love the two seasons. People who watch Sweet Bitter love the series. But they, they took it off after the second, after the second season. And it, it just left me craving more. Like, I was like, no, this, that can't possibly be how this ends. Like, I, I need to know where the story goes. So, And I had no idea that there was a book, that it was based on a book. And I was at the bookstore. Then I saw it, and I was like, oh, this is it. Are you kidding me? And I got to tell you, the book is so much better so far than the TV series. But the TV series is awesome. Like uh, Michelle and I started watching it, and then I just finished the whole thing by myself. Uh, don't tell her that. No, she knows. So that just means we have to rewatch it, or we get to rewatch it together. But anyway, in the book Sweet Bitter uh, on P and this is early on, so I'm not revealing anything major. She talks about, uh, she's she's interviewing the, the main, the lead, the protagonist, is interviewing for a position as a server at the best restaurant in New York, right? And the person hiring her, Howard, ask, he ask, asks her this. I, that word, asks, is such a tough word for me to say. He's, he His question was, if you're hired here, what do you want the next year to bring you? And she, in her head, right, she's not saying this verbally, in her head, she responds, I was never good at the future. I grew up with girls whose chief occupation was the future, designing it, instigating it. They could talk about it with so much confidence that it sounded like the past. During those talks, I had contributed nothing. I had visions, too abstract and flat for me to hang on to. For years, I saw a generic city light up at night. I would use those remote artificial lights to soothe myself to sleep. One day, I was quitting my job with no sense of exhilaration. One day, I was leaving a note from my father, pulling out of his driveway, slightly bewildered. And two days later, I was sitting in front of Howard. That was the way the future came to me. And I'm sharing that passage with you to say that notice in your life what visions you have and and what's causing those visions. Okay? Because, let me backtrack a little bit because I talked about dreams. So dreams to me are what happen while you're asleep. They're subconscious. It's your your subconscious trying to talk to you and share with you the emotions that you've been either repressing, suppressing, or unaware of or avoiding during your waking state. So when you have dreams, don't try to think about what the dream means. Think more about how the dream feels. I feel like that's the whole thing. Of this episode right here is about experiencing. What what is the experience of it like? Did you feel fear, or did you feel excited? Did you feel uh, happy? Did you feel calm? Like, did you feel dread? Like, what were the emotions that came up for you uh, in the dream? And, and to me, that's that's. I don't think about what does the lion mean or the the penguin. It was like, what was my emotional experience of seeing a lion in my dream? Did I feel courageous? Did I feel uh, emboldened? Did I feel empowered? Like, what were those emotions tied up to the imagery? And so coming back to visions, right, because visions to me is more intentional, Um, or it could also be uh, on a subconscious level, but we're awake when we have visions, and there's a couple things that give me different visions, right? When I get a massage, I notice that I get uh, a beautiful visions, optimistic visions of the future. That's what happens when I get a massage. When I go for a drive, I can also experience those same optimistic visions of the future. So, when I'm getting a massage, when I go for a drive, uh, uh, journaling sometimes can you get that, going for a walk or a hike, I get these visions of the future that seem optimistic and realistic. Like they're just something grounding about those experiences. And I bring this up to say that notice what experiences you're having, and what visions it conjures up? If you're having experiences that conjure up disempowering, uh, low vibrating, uh, fearful visions, then you know maybe you know avoid. I don't want to say use the word avoid, but find other experiences to engage in. Now, on the flip side, the reversal is sometimes these visions that we have that uh, scare us may be a sign for us to take action in that direction, meaning, you know, like we just moved into a new house. Maybe we have a, you know, there's a, we have a vision of somebody breaking in. Okay, let's honor that to a degree. We have a dog. We put up some cameras. We have an alarm system. All right, so we're honoring the vision, and you know we lock the door at night; those kind of things. Um, and you know we got we we got some things around the house in case somebody want to w- want to come find out what's happening in here, you know, uh, unsolicited. But uh, so, ask yourself: Is there a way I can honor this vision? Is this something that is my is my vision? trying to tell me something that I need to take action on or even if you go I can't act on this right now maybe just write it down to come back to later I do that all the time on my phone I'd be like whoa that I that I, I ooh, that's scary or that was a strange vision you know sometimes like you'll meet somebody and you're like do I need to is this Should I be working with this person? Like they say something that throws up a red flag. And so I'll put it on my phone. I go, revisit this this thought, this feeling, you know, these ideas like three days from now, five days from now. Or I'll say, you know, talk to such and such about this and see what their thoughts are. So if it's sometimes there will be, you know, things that come up that, I'm like, Oh, I don't like I had actually I had something come up today where um, I was corresponding with someone, and then the response they sent me, I was like, Huh, I wonder what this means on a deeper level. And so I talked to some other of my friends about it to give me I wanted more insight on it, right and And so when we have a vision, we can do that through the, the experiences that we're having. You know, if you're raking the lawn or, uh, or, you know, raking the leaves off the lawn or going for a walk or, you know, running errands and things like, what are the visions that are coming to you, you know? Um, also, you have the intentional vision where I have a vision board on my cell phone. I have, there's a vision, there's an app called Vision Board. And so I intentionally will look at my vision board, I try to look at it every day to remind myself of what the I want the future to look like. And you know, Michelle did the same thing. Her gym, they they got together over this past weekend and they laid out uh not laid out, but the the gym owner carried a whole bunch of magazines from like libraries and nail salons and all these different businesses that you know order or, or subscribe to a bunch of magazines for their customers and then they don't they don't use them and so she had like a, 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 maybe a thousand magazines there was maybe about 25 30 people there and they were all making vision boards and I thought that was really cool so there's so many different ways that we can create a vision for our future create uh, some aspirations for ourselves, instead of being led by other people's aspirations, um, so that you know we have something to look forward to. We have something that we're working towards, and then also we we are creating a conversation and community around our vision. So, if somebody's asking you, you know, what are you up to? What are you doing? Your your answer should never be nothing. It should always or not always, but you know, if there's nothing more, if there's nothing urgent at the time, but it it then it could revolve around your vision. Um hey, what are you doing today? I'm working towards A, I'm working towards B, I'm working towards C. And and I know what you're saying. You're like, Leo, you know, when I share my vision with people, they laugh at me, they dismiss it, blah, blah. blah. You don't have to share the full vision. You can share the step. So, for instance, you can say, like, say, like you're writing a book. Instead of saying, "Yeah, I'm really thinking about this book that I'm writing," and blah blah blah. No, instead of saying that, if you feel like people are going to be like, "Why are you writing a book? That's dumb," say, you know, I'm I'm thinking about this, uh, this character, and you know i was wondering if this person would do a or if this person would do b in this scenario right and they were like why are you thinking about that character it's like oh you know it's in a book that i'm reading like you could you could say it's in a book or in a movie or it was just i don't know it's just i just had these characters or you could just say i just got these characters in my head and 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 i like to just kind of imagine what they would do in in different situations you know and 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 then boom then you got the book so you don't have to always share the vision. You can share a step to the vision. And people nine times out of ten will be supportive of that because there's, you know, it's, it's not something that seems uh, insurmountable or ridiculous to them. And then it also helps you to feel safe in, in what you're sharing and what you're doing and, and kind of protecting your emotions around it. Uh, that's all I want to say for today, ladies and gents. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Hey, let's take a big inhale. Hold for three. Exhale. You know what? Let's do that one more time. Big inhale. Hold for three. Exhale. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. If you enjoyed it, I, you know what? I love all the shares, the reviews. You can always email me you know, any thoughts for future episodes. I, I love uh, receiving your feedback on, on what topics you'd like me to cover uh, within a realm of suicide prevention and just thriving in life. And if you have questions about what you're going through, uh, send those to Leo flowers 2000 at gmail, Leo Flowers 2000 at gmail. Um, and thank you for sharing it, rating it five stars. You can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. If you're struggling to find purpose, um, meaning, Connection that you're ready for that next. Uh, you're tired of just you're tired of performing, right? You're tired of performing, and and feeling like you're you're living for everybody else. So let's get you connected back to yourself. Go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. And remember, this podcast is not a substitute for for you. Call in the 988 or any of the other international phone numbers listed in all of the show notes. Peace.